and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 61st episode of the podcast for the week of July 15th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome New Mexico-based professional astrologer and psychotherapist, Jason Hawley, to join me in a discussion on the consciousness of day and night. I just love him. So I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> I'm excited about them all, but yes, uh, I really love his work. All right. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the page on my website uh, if you would like to make a one-time donation to the podcast. To do so, you can access that over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady continues to wax along towards maximum brightness as she starts out the week in the cardinal earth sign of Capricorn as she heads towards her full moon lunar eclipse in the sign of the sea goat on midday Tuesday, at least here Pacific time. She then begins her waning cycle as she heads into the fixed era of Aquarius on Wednesday, where she will float along in this detached air uh, as we basically post-eclipse ourselves <laughs> in this futuristic realm until she moves into the mutable waters of Pisces midday Friday and where she will reside for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, or if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, also known as the connections that planets make to one another in the sky, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it is quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, this week we have a lunar eclipse in Capricorn. Yes, very big, very big. And not only that, we also have Venus stepping into the limelight as she becomes the last in line to connect with Saturn, uh, the nodes, Neptune, and Pluto. Uh, And to add to that, we also have Mercury, who is in retrograde motion, moving back into the Cancerian waters and will then go on to make its inferior conjunction to the sun. So let us not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Capricorn, and she will make a trine to Uranus super early in the morning and then an opposition to both Venus and a conjunction to Saturn later in the evening. And it's also interesting that Monday, and actually Monday and Tuesday, are uh, our Prime Day on Amazon. (laughs) On Amazon, they're having their Prime Day where anybody can access Prime um, services and prices, which seems so appropriate for as we have a Capricorn moon eclipse. Um, Yes, so... I just thought that was interesting. Uh, But we don't have anything happening on Monday, even though we do. We absolutely do. But nothing is perfecting. So the bottom line for Monday is is that we are feeling the lunar eclipse brew as the moon in Capricorn activates the upcoming Venus-Saturn opposition and continues to grow in brightness in the sky. And so energy is swirling in the evening, making it a hot spot for this week's narrative. So just FYI, Monday evening (laughs) shall be uh, interesting, I think, at least here in North America. But overall, the day will have us concerned with our work and our ambitions, and possibly security issues will be high, you know, these Capricornian considerations. But really, practical concerns are lit up at this time, and the long term is in our gaze. Now, on Tuesday, we have our lunar eclipse in Capricorn, uh, and the moon will sextile Neptune, uh, probably while we're sleeping. We'll make a conjunction to Pluto, and then we'll make that opposition to the sun, which is our lunar eclipse. And so, of course, we have the lunar eclipse taking place, but we also have Venus uh, approaching a conjunction with the North Node uh, while simultaneously making an opposition to Saturn, uh, who is also conjunct the South Node there. So we have two very significant things taking place on Tuesday. And so let's start with that lunar eclipse there, uh, which will be taking place at 24 degrees and four minutes of Capricorn. Uh, and that will perfect at 2.38 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast. And I will just lit, uh, put out a reminder that I do write an eclipse article or a moon article for each full and new moon. So if you'd like to go check that out, that should be up uh I'm a, I'm guessing by Monday, <laughs> I like to put them right before they come out. I'm not really an early bird in those uh, in that respect. Um, but if you want to check that out, you can do so over on my page at energeticprinciples.com, or you can also sign up for my mailing list over there, and it will be sent directly to your inbox. And I will also remind you that uh, I did an episode with April Elliott Kent a couple episodes ago, uh, where we did talk about the eclipses, both the solar and the lunar. So if you you want to recap some of that talk, you can do so as well. But really, we are waxing towards this dynamic lunar eclipse that is taking place in the practical Earth of Capricorn. And the many twists and turns we have taken over the past few weeks will now apex into a pragmatic conclusion, as we are emotionally coming to realizations of where our priorities lie and the resources that we need in order to make these directives a reality. And so new perceptions are arriving here, and we can cut through some of the BS that may have existed before so we can really get to the heart of the matter. And so this eclipse plays deeply into the energy that will perfect in 2020, especially when we have our Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January. So even though deep changes are happening uh, and some things may come to an end, others are really being born at this time and uh, architected for the future. Now, the Venus uh, 
Saturn opposition here. Uh, let's talk about that. And keep in mind the, the nodal axis, the North Node and the South Node. You know, North Node is where we are going, where we're pushing and forward into the future. South Node is maybe what we want to leave behind and release a little pressure there. And so we have Venus and Saturn uh, meeting in this space along with the nodes. And so Venus, just to recap, because she's going to be doing a lot of things this week. So we want to put her clear in our mind here. And she is the principle of relating with other people. Um, when we, uh, what we open up to and what we draw in, our attraction energy, uh, our balance, how we balance and harmonize our lives, uh, how we operate with grace, or, or we do or we don't, you know? And so there really is a relating component that is coming down, especially this week as Venus makes these contacts. So this first one with Saturn, of course, an opposition is usually an outside force that really does play into relationships um, a lot of the times because something outside of us is either calling for a choice or a decision or presenting us with something. And so there can be a little bit of a tug of war where two opposing forces meet in some way. And so, of course, Venus, uh, our benefic, is meeting our malefic, Saturn, uh, who is all about structure and the commitment uh, and the foundation of something. What does the long term look like? And where am I putting my priorities? Um, you know, how do I speak up and, and hold authority for my life? And so Venus is touching down on these things. So before we go further here, we must preface how Venus is the last planet to fill in this configuration of energy that has hit the nodes uh, and Saturn and Neptune and Pluto over the past few months, uh, really over the last month, to be honest. Um, Because first we had Mars uh, come into this configuration on June 14th, then we had Mercury on June 16th, then the Sun on July 9th, my birthday, and now we have Venus. So this isn't our first rodeo with this energy. Um, But Venus is coming in to kind of open us up and smooth things over probably for what has been going on for the last month. And because Venus will be contacting Saturn in the nodes, then Neptune, and then Pluto, we're going to break this up into some bite-sized pieces uh, throughout the week so we can kind of see how Venus is painting her story here. And so with the meeting of Saturn and the nodes, while we have a simultaneous lunar eclipse, because keep in mind, the same day as the eclipse, you can bet that relationship energy is potent in the air, along with coming to concrete conclusions around practical solutions in these areas. And so balance and harmony, along with putting a sharp eye on our true values, because Venus, you know, is looking at what we value, this will be up to bat at this time. And so it's likely that some stress will be in the air. And if we feel like we are pulled in different directions, we will have to find a way to come together, especially if we have projects or goals that need our attention. So you know you might see themes of home versus career or connection versus separateness with another um, or with whatever it is that we encounter. Um, but really the long term will be in focus here, uh, hence for the need for certain realities to surface at this time. Because we are interested in birthing a richer life. And if there are obstacles in the way of that, now is the time to address the issue. Because emotionally, we can connect with the life we'd like to create at this time and then set the boundaries accordingly. For that is how the law of attraction works best. So this might be a time where old commitments may now need reassessment in order to heed an enriching new direction. 
So FYI. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that first off, pay attention to dreams that come in the night before, because they may be pointing to some of this eclipse energy that you'll be encountering, uh, especially as Luna makes a sextile to Neptune. And so this is likely to be a dynamic day in many ways as the eclipse perfects soon after Luna seeds in uh, for deep changes with her conjunction to Pluto because that's the last aspect the moon makes before we have our eclipse is a conjunction to Pluto. So you know things are changing. And so events are coming to a head within the tangible realm and the energy will most likely feel heavy and maybe even a little sluggish compared to most full moons. So allow this uh, configuration to help ground you in the now rather than becoming pessimistic about, you know, what the future may hold. Because really, uh, reality is shifting at this time. All right, so Wednesday, the Wednesday the moon moves into Aquarius uh, and we'll have an opposition to Mercury, who's retrograde, a square to Uranus and an opposition to Mars. And so there's no aspects perfecting that day. So the bottom line is, is that the lunar energy lightens with the moon uh, now in Aquarius. And we can pull back and see the larger possibilities around our current situations. We are emotionally aligned with the idea of improvement and connecting with others could really help us to air out some things, uh, which can be especially beneficial because the because Venus is conjuncting the North Node today on Wednesday. So she continues her story. So where we hit Saturn yesterday, now she's making a conjunction to the North Node, bringing a lot of things to light. And so that's why I think connecting with others on Wednesday in particular can be very beneficial to help push us forward. But there is still contention in the air with the lunar lineup because we have a square to Uranus, we have an opposition to Mars, and those aspects can be uh, very activating, but also very irritating or disruptive in some way. But I think that the detached air of Aquarius will help us to navigate it all from a healthy distance. Now, on Thursday, we have the moon in Aquarius, and she will sextile Jupiter. Also that day, we have Venus making a trine to Neptune. So Venus is carrying on her story here. So let's touch in on that. So we've always already talked about Venus uh, being about that relating, about that opening up, balancing, harmonizing, uh, and attracting in. And of course, trines, trines are no obstacles. We are just flowing. You know, the river is going. Nothing is stopping it. There are no boundaries. And of course, where is that river flowing? Well, it is going to Neptune in Pisces. And Neptune uh, definitely taps us into the spiritual realizations of things, but also can bring in some uh, haziness or confusion or where something dissolves before our eyes in some way. And so now our gal Venus makes a flowing connection with Neptune, which can have a few different forms of manifestation, depending on what is happening in your life, and especially in configuration with an opposition to Saturn, you know, the nodal contacts, and then an opposition to Pluto uh, here in a couple days. So on one side, there can be a greater spiritual connection that is fostered in our relationships, or perhaps more creative energy that is at play. And compassion and care can seep in as we desire to merge with one another uh, and show our more compassionate side, really no matter how the reality uh, may look in this present moment. Now, on the other side of things, Neptune can flow in some confusion or the possibility of deception at times as we desire to see less of reality and more how we'd like to see things. Yet hopefully that simultaneous Saturn energy will keep practicum at play. 
It's also possible that there are connective qualities of our lives that are dissolving into the ether. And if a relationship of any kind is on rocky ground, this may be uh, a time to help release it into new life or where we maybe part ways from the energy with gratitude for what it has taught us. But all of this is case-specific, of course, so see which one is resonating in your life. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that the bigger picture continues to reveal itself with that sextile to Jupiter, so we can work with the grander scheme and the possibilities that lie ahead. And this is likely to be more of an imaginative day with that Venus-Neptune trine, so future considerations will certainly be at play. Um, Now, align with what is to come, uh, because we see that futuristic Aquarius moon energy, but also release the influence of the past, you know, that Venus-Neptune trine. Venus is in Cancer, so we are talking about past considerations here, and Pisces energy can help us transition out of that. So we can uh, release some of that past influence, um, and then also help us prepare for the healing that is to come this weekend because we have a lot of healing energy coming this way. All right, so Friday, the moon is still in Aquarius, but we'll move to Pisces around midday here on the Pacific Coast, and there will be no exact aspects at play on Friday. Um, other than the fact that Mercury retro- is retrograding uh, back into Cancer here. So let's talk about that real quick. So Mercury is moving out of that dramatic fire of Leo and back into the intuitive waters of Cancer. So prepare for the mind to resubmerge itself once again into the realm of feeling. And so introspection will be more at play and the energy will quiet a bit on the verbal realm as we dip back in to reassess our feelings through the logical application of Mercury. And so imagination is high as the messenger sets course to make its inferior conjunction with the sun on Sunday, but we'll save that uh, for, you know, more on that to come. So hang in there. But the bottom line for Friday is is that here we have a two-part day as we have a couple shifts in the sky um, with that with also the lunar aspects taking place because the moon is shifting to a different sign, um, moving from that detached futuristic vibe of Aquarius uh, to move into the sensitive and emotional waters of Pisces. So so where we were detached, then we get submerged again. And with Mercury also getting adjusted into a new sign, there will be some in-between energy taking place this day. So go with the flow and don't expect too much uh, from the energy at play. Now, on Saturday, the moon is fully in Pisces, and she makes a sextile to Uranus, and then a square to Jupiter and a sextile to Saturn later in the day. And so uh, we have some things brewing for Sunday, but Saturday, the bottom line is, we are now fully swimming in the Pisces seas as emotion heightens, and we are more in touch with our spiritual selves. So if there is a need to withdraw to recharge your energy, definitely take the time to do so on Saturday. Maybe a nice bath or a dip in the ocean can feel quite refreshing at this time. Now, with the evening square to Jupiter, uh, there it may create some emotional friction around where we are headed in life or how we're expanding in some way. So watch those cups, because this is Pisces energy here. Um, for there is definitely a possibility to go overboard with intoxication on Saturday evening or the desire to escape in some way or to kind of overdo it. Uh, so just FYI, because uh, that one glass of wine can turn into a whole bottle real quick. 
But luckily, I think that sextile to Saturn might give us the opportunity to stay grounded if we choose to do so. All right, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The moon is still in Pisces. We'll make a conjunction to Neptune while we sleep here in the U.S., uh, then a sextile to Pluto, a trine to Venus, and a trine to Mercury, who is retrograde. All right, so two things of significance happening on Sunday. We have Venus making that opposition to Pluto, and we have Mercury retrograde making its inferior conjunction to the sun. And we must keep in mind that the moon in Pisces is trining into both of these. So this is a very active day for these energies. So let's continue our Venus story here. So we already know Venus, what she's doing in the relationship realm, the balancing, the opening up, attracting in. And of course, it's another opposition where we're confronted with something or there might be a tug of war of energy or we're in a relationship dynamic of sorts. And of course, when Pluto comes into the picture, Pluto is trying to transform us and purify us in some way. And it asks for us to change and to go deep and to get into instinctual emotions that lie within. And there is no way out but through. So I have a feeling that this will be quite a dynamic day emotionally uh, and creatively with both Venus and Cancer opposing Pluto and the Sun and Mercury meeting in Cancer and then that Moon and Pisces trining into it all. And so new life is bubbling up emotionally, and we have the ability to purify our feelings towards new beginnings, because this is cardinal energy. This is moving energy, and it's trying to initiate. So we are more in touch with what we want on a gut level and what would truly satisfy us. So we can say goodbye to the past as we open up to fresh new starts, making this an incredibly healing time if we are open to our receptive sides. Now, vulnerability will be rewarding. Not easy, but rewarding. So if any truths need to come to light, now is the time to communicate that, either to yourself or to another person. Because great change is in the air, and we can create magic from it if we follow our gut and our intuition. Now, with Mercury retrograde conjunct the sun here, uh, just to recap, you know, Mercury is all about information, communicating, news coming in, how we're perceiving things mentally or learning something. And of course, it's retrograde. So this is a lot of reassessment. We're uh, reassessing things and going back over things. Uh, And of course, conjunctions are always new cycles because the energy is merging together uh, as one to seed. Um, And then, of course, the sun, whenever the sun is involved, we are turning a page because we become consciously aware of something. uh, And that awareness allows us to uh, not go back. We We go forward, right? And so... You know, the inferior conjunction essentially starts the cycle all over again because Mercury's eternal dance with the sun uh, basically starts at this inferior conjunction uh, cycle as our minds meet with the solar purpose in the creative imagination of Cancer. And so all water signs have that merging quality to them. So as Venus connects with Pluto, this aspect helps us come together in necessary conversation that is centered around the heart and its needs. And so I find this will bode well uh, for relationships that need to get on the same page, whether they uh, have just recently started or have been around for years. And in all kinds of relationships, it doesn't matter if it's romantic, friendships, enemies, frenemies, whatever. <laughs> Your cat? No, I don't know. Um, but there is a reconnection quality here, especially as we now understand our personal needs more and can share that clarity. 
And so Mercury will go on to station direct on the lunar eclipse point uh, in about a week and a half time from this date. So I feel that this week is painting a retrograde story that is seeding at at this aspect and will continue to build into greater emotional realizations uh, until July 31st when Mercury will station to regain forward motion on that lunar eclipse point. So the bottom line for Sunday is that another morning to pay attention to dreams that come in with that conjunction to Neptune. Uh, and this is a, definitely a significant day as the Venus, uh, as Venus and Mercury energy are flowing and contacting our moon and Pisces, making it a day of communications, relations, and inner psychic knowings that are seeding in. And this can be a very healing day if we go with the flow and honor what is coming in rather than escaping from it or succumbing to overwhelm. Because we are turning an emotional page here, and this is prepping us and cleaning the slate for the next chapter to come. All right, so to wrap it all up, Eclipse season part two is definitely underway, and many shifts are taking place internally and externally. And we are birthing an enriching new life, yet we have to release the past and open up in ways that may feel vulnerable. Slowly, we will get to where we need to be, and this week serves as a significant turning point that helps bring healing into the equation, along with a much-needed sense of balance. Okay, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra something something to what's going on in the week. And so this week I drew the Four of Swords as the focus and the Seven of Pentacles as the grounding. And so with the Four of Swords as the focus, we are needing to take a pause or a breather this week so that we can collect our energy and replenish our strength. And there may be a lot on the mind as of late or more busyness and rushing around, uh, and that's not going to help us facilitate the clarity that we are looking for. So instead, take a time out this week and spend it in meditation and contemplation, and simply allow yourself to be. A sense of calm can be very healing to the body, uh, especially with all these Venus uh, connections this week. Um, so, you know, give give your body, mind, and spirit that uh, uh you know, kind of sacred space in the, at this point in time. Now, with the Seven of Pentacles as the grounding, chances are we are now in a period of reassessment as we review our efforts um, that we have made while planning out where we would like to head next. So we're reviewing and we're planning and we're kind of taking another type of pause to kind of look back to see our work. And so a bit of patience is likely needed as we review our progress and re-examine our priorities. And by taking the time out that the four is asking for, we can get a better grip on what is to stay in our long-term plan and what is to fall away so we can move forward. So clear the mind, focus on what is truly a priority, and prepare to slowly move ahead from here. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the Blue Heron. Our magnificent feathered friend is here to remind us that it's okay to make a stand for what you believe in or what you feel is right, despite what others may think or feel about it. Because you are the only one who knows what is truly right for you. And that sense of knowing is a guidepost to your personal life journey. 
So if you follow me on Instagram at all, you may recall that I have been having run-ins with this particular bird on several occasions <laughs> within the last year. And I found that whenever it showed up, it was telling me to be patient for the opportunities that lie ahead. Much like the Seven of Pentacles, the heron hunts very slowly and waits for the perfect opportunity to dive in for the kill. And so we may need to take that stance as well this week. For strategy and patience, uh, very Capricornian things, is everything at this time. So practice grace, which is very Venusian quality, as you stand further in your own truth with the focused intention of waiting until the time is right for you to strike. All right. So as I said last week, I'm changing things up on my Patreon and I'm still trying to work out what exactly that is. I'm entertaining, uh, working on charts, uh, doing a chart per month, uh, for people, um, not for people, people, but just like, uh, doing an astro storytelling type of thing. Um, I'm also looking at maybe releasing my show notes as an option because believe it or not, I write these forecasts. So they are written and, uh, readily available to read <laughs> if I make them available. So those are some options as well too. But once again, I really love it if, uh, people would reach out and share with me what they would like to see or what they would like to learn or what would be enticing as a Patreon option because, you know, community and what the listeners want are everything. But of course, my tarot subscription is still at play until the end of this month. Uh, So if you are signed up for that, last week we worked on releasing tension and this week we're going to be working on contemplating outcomes. So to find out more uh, about what it is I do on Patreon, what I've been doing, or to uh, contact me further about some ideas, you can find out more on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Jason Hawley here. Thank you for joining me, Jason. Yeah, great to be here, Melissa. Yes, I have. Uh, I fell in love with Jason Holly during the uh, summit that uh, was at the Astrology University, the first one he did. And I think you were speaking on Mercury, was that? Yeah, that's right. I was talking on Mercury, yeah. Yes. And so I'm kind of, I'm a pretty energetic person. And when I saw his energy, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I resonate <laughs> completely. Um, so Jason, before we get started here, will you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm an astrologer and a psychotherapist. Uh, I'm in Santa, based in Santa Fe. Um, I, I use astrology. My primary work is long-term psychotherapy with people. And I use astrology with all of my clients. Uh, the chart is along with us for the whole journey in varying degrees, according to the person, of course. Um, and then I also do a fair bit of, uh, I have, I do astrology classes here in town and then I do, you know, webinars and, uh, teach at conferences and to low, like astrology associations in different cities and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's the basics of my, of my work. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a lot. <laughs> yes. You're very, very busy. Uh, and we actually are excited to have him here in San Diego next year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think about exactly a year, right? June of next year. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Very much looking forward to it. And you're a regular over at Astrology University. You've got um, a series going with, uh, with the different signs, right? The, um, the myths of the different signs. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's sort of looking at the constellation myths that we use for the constellations that we use as reference for the signs of the zodiac. And uh, it's, it's really, those are actually relatively less known myths in general, and then even less so psychologically imagined. So uh, with each sign, slowly I'm getting through them. I think there's a cancer one coming later yeah. this month and that'll be the ninth one. There's no, if anybody can discern an order <laughs> of the ones we're doing, I couldn't even say, but, but yeah, it's been a really fun project because I'm linking it to um, stories of clients in my practice as well, who are in many ways living, living the myths and also re redreaming and expanding the myths. Mm, yeah. I love it. And so today we're actually going to be talking about uh, the consciousness of day and night. And this is something that I've seen you speak on before that I find just fascinating. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into that. But before we get into that day and night business, um, I've been asking people that have been coming on the show, what has, what sparked your interest in astrology? Like what was that, you know, like initial starting point for you? Well, actually, I was born into astrology. Uh, my oh. when my was when I was born, my chart was done um, wrongly, unfortunately, because <laughs> 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 um, that was back in the days of doing them by hand and many mistakes possible. Um, but uh, but it was done when I was born, and I was my family was astrologically fluent. I mean, no one was a professional astrologer, or you know, would have uh, known other astrologers or that kind of thing. But we did have a, a sort of neighborhood astrologer where I lived. I grew up in Appalachia. And so mm. it, it's the kind of a thing where, you know, a person feels something in their knee and that means a storm is coming. You know, it's like folk astrology. Yeah. Um, so my family had a really keen kind of embodied sense of the archetypes, even though they might not know the technical work. And so then when I was about 12, um, I found Jupiter return, you know, I found... Um, uh, this set of more esoterically oriented books about astrology. So you had like Dane Rudyard, Isabel Hickey, Alice Bailey. Um, and I turned out to have been an, a great aunt of mine who had run off to San Francisco at one point and gotten immersed in all this and brought it all back and then fell back into the, the trance of fundamentalism. <laughs> and, uh, but the books were like secreted away in a, in a, um, like a uh, credenza in my grandparents' house, and I found them. So 12, 13, I started reading those and getting really, um, really immersed and trying to make sense of my family, which was a pretty crazy situation. Mm. And uh, it just spoke to me completely. So I, I started, you know, making charts and doing readings and teaching like 16, 17. In my high school, I was able to do a little bit of that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So it just continued, and then when I when I turned towards therapy in my early thirties uh, as a, as a career, I think it really came in again in a deeper way um, because it's so powerful of a tool, you know, for imagining yeah. the psyche. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. And I'm noticing, so you're the first person I've asked that was kind of born into it. And a lot of people mm -hmm. are, you know, you'll find that uh, have, there'll be like the third generation astrologer in their family. But um, what I've noticed so far is that we have either people starting at their Saturn return in the late mm -hmm. 20s, or we have these Jupiter return people that are starting pretty early at about 12. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's really interesting. I, 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 it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's really... Yeah. Um, Kind of amazing that way. Yeah, because I would say that was my true start, you know, even though I grew up with the language around me. Yeah, um, but that was your fateful meeting with the book, uh, with the books and the credenza. Yeah. And a really fun thing about that, just to say, so so I, I was born into a matriarchy, you know, in my 
when I was born, there were four generations of the women before me also. So like, we were all in the same house. Um, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and my great-great-grandmother were wow. all alive and we all were in this house <laughs> and all of them, all of them have various dialogue with psychism. And, you know, like my great, great grandmother who was alive for a few years when I was born, she was a tea leaf reader and people would come from around West Virginia mm-hmm. to, you know, have her read. Um, but anyway, what I, why I thought of this is that my grandmother, uh, who has the same degree, a cancer ascendant that I do, um, she, like her mother for a while, my great, great grandmother was not was kind of away from all this. And so when my grandmother started, she actually would go secretly to this astrologer and, and take these lessons. And she started doing that at 12 also. Oh. And, the, and yet she also didn't know that I was doing it when I was 12. We just, we found that out. Like when I was in my mid thirties, I, I confessed, you know, what I had done. And then she said, well, I was doing, when I was 12, I was also secretly going and learning all this. Oh my God, that's fascinating, especially (laughs) with just the jump in generations, because I've noticed that uh, just, you know, the hiccup back to the grandparents, it's, Mm -hmm. we seem to align a lot with with them. Like even my own grandmother, who I didn't know at all, like I had this crazy gypsy grandmother who weighs like 12, Uh, none of them. Like she would just have children and leave them basically. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, so we found her like right before she, uh, passed away. And I didn't know that side of my family either. And so like, it was surprise after surprise after surprise around my Saturn return actually. Um, mm-hmm. and so lo and behold, after she dies a few years later, I get on ancestry.com and I was able to get her birth certificate. And so I look mm-hmm. up her, her chart and sure enough, we both we don't have the same ascendant, but we both have Uranus exactly on the ascendant. Oh, um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that's like having the same ascendant. <laughs> exactly, it's not the same, but and it's both hers is Aries and mine is Scorpio, so they're uh-huh. both Mars driven, you know. And right, so right. that's fascinating. The double uh, that you resonated with your grandmother as well, and she had that uh, that that secret tucked away. Um, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it is. That's cool. Oh, how cool! I love it. All right, so another story for the books. Um, okay, so let's get into our. Uh, topic of the day. Um, and so, uh, you know, Jason, what is, okay. So day and night can be formally put into the concept of sect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. but that's not necessarily exactly how you use it. Can you explain, uh, maybe a little bit what sect is and then how you kind of twisted that yourself? Yes, absolutely. I think some people would say twisted. <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah. And this, 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 this sort of body of work for me is animated by the ancient notion. I mean, that is where it is coming from. Um, and so the, the sect is an, is an, is a very old concept in astrology that is kind of surprising that we, that a lot of us, when we first come into astrology in the modern world, don't inherit this understanding because it's possibly the most obvious thing about the sky, which is that sometimes it's day and sometimes it's night. And if everything else in this, of this experience is supposed to have influence and meaning, you would certainly think it would matter. Um, so, but the, the notion of sect <clears throat> is essentially that different, as, different, uh, parts of the various astrological, uh, uh, symbols uh, are either followers of day or followers of night, and you know, especially we think about the planets that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, so for instance, the 
the night planet, the day planets are the sun, which is the light of that planet, right? Jupiter, which is the benefic of the day, and and Saturn, which is the so-called malefic of the day. Mm-hmm. And then the night planets are the moon, Venus, and Mars. Uh, and Mercury is said to be, uh, sometimes it plays on the day team, sometimes plays on the night team. Um, you know, my friend Brian Clark says he's bisexual, you know? <laughs> um, as, we would think, as we would expect from Mercury. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, so the planets follow that and they're said to be influence, you know, they're said to have more or less influence and better or, you know, happier or negative influence according to whether someone's born in day or night. And it's a pretty important part of how the ancients assess the condition of planets in the chart and so on. Um, and uh, Rob Hand has done work to sort of suggest that uh, the day and night is part of a larger distinction that we think about in the, like the table of opposites that somebody like Pythagoras put together and Aristotle used and so on, um, where, where you had certain characteristics associated with day and certain ones with night. night. And so, <coughs> excuse me, that's kind of the opening act of my own entrance into this type of work. Um, the, the, the thing that I am uh, doing with a lot of the like Hellenistic revival that, that you know, that's happening in astrology is I have a d- deep desire to psychologize it and also to uh, try to sort of de- depatriarchalize it, you know, because that, all that material uh, that, that everybody's looking back to and getting very excited about, the, the only issue or the, the issue I have with that is that that was also like total consolidation moment for patriarchal consciousness. You know, <laughs> if you had to pick a time, I think you could pick, you know, 400 to two, 400 BC to 200 AD as kind of like, you know, uh, <clears throat> the consolidation of, of what I would call the dominance of the day, you know, the mm. day way. Yeah. So, so somehow as a modern, so I think we have to kind of look at these a little more um, patiently and, and kind of get curious about, how are these set up and how, how can it still inform us? Um, so, so just say a little bit more is like, you know, the day uh, things are also the aspects can be looked at as day and night. Um, the so-called hard aspects, which were divisible by even numbers like oppositions and squares. Those are considered night aspects. Um, and the, uh, the ones that are divisible by odd numbers like trines and sextiles, mm. where sextiles go both ways, but uh, you know, are, are considered to be the day aspects. And, oh. Um, so, and you can do that with the houses. There are various ways to think of some houses as day and night. Oh, I never looked at it that way. That my mind is expanding. Well, the moon is in Jupiter, uh, Jupiter, Sagittarius right now. So, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yes. Yeah. As we talk, <laughs> um, yes, that's so funny that you bring it up. That uh, as sect was being derived as a concept, <laughs> that you know, pa- the patriarchal uh, energy was forming at its height. Basically, as <laughs> we were writing, what the age of Aries at that point, maybe <laughs> if we look at yeah. at that, um, and so okay. So we, there is the, are these hard rules kind of in Hellenistic astrology where we're looking at these teams and, and I find them very useful, but I love how you're taking it and putting your, you know, your psychotherapy uh, hat on with it and starting to look at them more as less of these kind of, you know, kind of very black and white and more like, let's yeah, dissect right. this a little bit more. So let us start with the consciousness of the day since it's so prevalent <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in our society. And so, I mean, Jason, what are the qualities of day consciousness? 
Yeah. So um, one of the places we can go to understand that is that sort of table of opposites that, that Pythagoras used. And, um, and so the day emphasizes light, right? It emphasizes things being defined and distinct, right? Whereas I think, I think by necessity, we might just go ahead and contrast with night just because it sure. kind of helps. It, it but, makes sense that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so day, day is interested in light, night is interested in darkness, right? Day is very defined. I mean, if you think about how you see objects during the day, you know, this is my laptop right here. This is the jar right here. You know, you can see distinctions between things. And whereas at night, things get a little more undefined, right? And, mm. and but that would be seen, I would see that as a different kind of vision, but it, it's, it's not defined, it's blur. Um, the day emphasizes oneness, the night emphasizes multiplicity. And like, just think about in the day, you see one star, right? And in the night, you see a whole, like all kinds of stars and all kinds of planets. Mm-hmm. Um, odd and even is associated, straight is the day, bent is the night, um, circle is the day, ellipse is the night. Uh, the problematic ones that get thrown in here to me are masculinity gets associated today and femininity tonight, which for me is really. Um, uh, problematic, just in the sense, if we're thinking astrologically, uh, I, 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 one of my big things that I find myself doing now is anytime masculine and feminine come into the astrological discussion, I prefer to go to day and night because those are actual astronomical realities. Mm-hmm. You know, gender being projected into the sky is, is a projection and, and a very limited one at that. Um, yeah. So masculine, feminine is there. And then the, the other problematic association is good day, bad bad night, right? Because what we could say is that, you know, night undermines the solar project, which I think is about, I mean, now if we go to more psychological terms, you know, um, that, uh, you know, that's kind of the old table, the opposites that we're kind of speaking from, but we go psychological. One of the ways I think about day consciousness is that it's all about emphasizing psychic unity, like the ability to say, I, with all that stuff in your chart, we still say, I, you know, even though we all have such a multiplicity in our chart, we still have a sense of a consistent I who is all that. Yeah. And that's a beautiful day thing. You know, the day, day gives us that ability to, you know, just like the sun sort of is, it's, it's, it's the one thing. Um, whereas the night, for instance, is so much about psychic multiplicity. And it, it, you can see why they thought it was bad because it undermines that coherence that the day gives. You know, people feel secure. And in our culture, like you pointed out, we flood the night with light. I mean, that's actually what we do. It's like, keep it at bay, you know, um, don't, you know, turn your screens on in your house, you know, flood the, you know, put light pollution into the sky. Um, Because night brings multiplicity. It brings, um, you know, if you think about the planets involved, right? Like the planets, sun, Jupiter, and Saturn are the, are the day planets. And, you know, I would say those are the planets that kind of take charge. You know, those are certainly the gods that took charge. Um, they kind of run things, you know, the sun lets you see things and gives you coherence and purpose. You know, the Jupiter has vision and kind of goes up on Mount Olympus and looks over Saturn, you know, crystallizes and concretizes and make plans. Mm -hmm. Whereas the night planets are wild, right? I mean, (laughs) I mean, mean, they grab you, you know, like that Vedic word. I, I much prefer the Vedic word for the planets, which is graha, which means to grasp, you know, like they grab you. And I think the night planets, moon, Mars, and Venus, I mean, 
that's what happens when you're busy making other plans, right? It's like they, the moon makes you need things and your comfort and, and the Venus, you fall in love with things. Mars, you get angry. You know, you get pulled into these states that are considerably less coherent as a rule. Um, well, I wonder if the lack of coherence um, speaks for night consciousness, a level of vulnerability. Because when I look back at my my personal life, and I'm, I think I'm a very day type of person uh, to mm-hmm. some extent, not always, but I mean, if I'm to characterize myself. Uh, well, when I was a child, I was terrified of the dark. Mm. I mean, for mm. an abnormally long time. And even oh, to okay. this day, I still, like, if I'm walking through a dark hall, I don't know what it is about halls. Is it like a transition thing? I'm not sure. But I'll mm. feel this sense and this rush behind me of, mm. of almost like darkness. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I feel like I've been trying to live in the light for so long. Um, and so there is a vulnerability around that not being able to, to see. I just yeah. want to add that in because that's what I was imagining in my mind. <laughs> It's, it's, I think that's, that's totally the issue here too. Yeah. And I think the day does emphasize a kind of invulnerability, which, which we kind of need to get around in life, right? We kind of need to see ourselves as invulnerable sometimes, even though we really aren't ever, we need the illusion of some control. It it allows us to feel the sense of agency, you know, and um, part of why I think the ancients sort of came down on the side of day. And if you, you know, look at that material, there tends to be a, preference to that side is just that day is like the newer achievement in consciousness. You know, day is like the island in the sea of the unconscious that we build of consciousness that is always feeling a little bit contingent. Like day is the night is the fundamental reality. I mean, all you have to do is go a few miles up into the sky and it's night. Mm -hmm. Um, Eclipses, I think part of why eclipses are so terrifying to people is like night breaks into day. You know, day is so contingent. It's so, it's such a precarious accomplishment. You know, it requires an, it requires an atmosphere on a planet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to have day. It, it's, it's, and I think that it is an achievement that makes us able to have these conversations that, you know, day really does offer a lot. But, but yeah, the vulnerability of night is, Part of what I think is so important is that night, though, offers us like vast amounts of stuff, right? I mean, it, to the point where it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and m- maybe a thing to say while we're saying this too is that um, you know the um, the day energy is so much about seeing, and as you were saying, what's hard about it is that you don't see at night, or at least you don't see the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have twenty twenty vision. You have night vision. You don't have um, you know, uh, you don't like one of the things about you think about the sun in someone's chart or um, that this, this, the day energy is about being seen and seeing the night energy is about feeling felt and feeling right. Like your, your moon, your Venus, your Mars, they need to feel felt and they all do that differently, right? The moon feels felt when you feel into all of its craters and you help it feel met in every little curve of the emotional body. Like like in therapy, we really have to, almost always you have to do some good moon attunement, no matter what else you're working on, because that's, that's what will help the person feel felt and like they're basically safe, you know? And then Venus and Mars, you know, Venus feels felt when, when there's like a shared aesthetic, a shared experience of, of love and beauty Mars feels felt when you go to the mat with him, you know, I mean, when you like, mm. you know, hit the mat, but it's, again, it's, it's like fighting, which brings into, you know, there's a certain intimacy in it, but they need to feel felt. And it's oh. a, it's, that's vulnerable. They're all so freaking vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is so funny as you're saying that, this is what I imagine. So say you have someone walking up to you and you see them clear in your face and you're like, this person is in front of me. Hi, how are you doing? Turn mm. out the lights, have someone walk in front of you. <laughs> you feel that coming, that presence coming towards you and you like can feel the breath and the heat of the body, but you don't know what's there. And so right. that's kind of like what I was imagining as far as like just navigating the two. Um, yes. And why if you're not attuned to that, uh, that the night consciousness or being able to feel yourself around or being more of an experiential place, mm-hmm. uh, that can be incredibly intimidating because it has mm-hmm. that lack of uh, control to it um, mm-hmm. because you can't mm-hmm. see what that is. And so <laughs> I creeped Sorry. myself out just thinking about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, that's a really nice, I appreciate that metaphor because I think that's exactly it. Yeah. When you you go, you know, when you get around, when you walk around in the night, you have to feel your way through, right? You have to sort of like put your hand out in front of you and make sure you're not running into something. You know, you have to yeah. um, feel it's, uh, it's, it's all through instinct and feeling, right? And Well, and what's funny about that is like a cat, you know, like, you know how you turn off the lights and everything is like, oh my God, like, where the hell am I? But if you give it like 30 seconds, you start yeah. to acclimate, right? Right. Yes, well said. And I think that's exactly it. It's like if we stay with the night, it's just like if you look up at the sky, you know, initially you don't see as many stars, but if you sort of hold your gaze Mm -hmm. softly, you start to see more and more stars. And that's, you know, it's like your perception shifts a little bit. And the other thing is, is that your hearing amplifies at night, right? Like we, we, we hear better at night. Um, and that's a great metaphor too, because the night works through that sense more, I think, than any, you know, the hearing and touch uh, is really where we see night working, whereas the sun is, or the daytime is very visual uh, oriented. Um, and so you're, you are kind of opening into this more like sensate, feely, touchy zone, but it also means you you know, if you're, if you're using your sense of touch to get around, you're way more vulnerable, right? (laughs) And you have to get a lot closer to things. You don't get to see them until they're right on you. Yeah. I mean, it could be a pillow or a cactus, you know, like we (laughs) (laughs) don't know really until you kind of put it out there and see. Um, now, well, and, it's, and it's night. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no. I figured it's, it's night. It's night that also usually is, is where, what brings people into things like astrological consulting rooms and therapy rooms. It's usually night things that have kind of come into the day because the thing about it is night is where creation happens, right? In almost all mythologies, you usually hear about a dark night or a dark sea or something. Some and then void of sorts. Right, exactly. And so the night is, is primal and it is also where Eros was born in the Greek world and Eros is born of Nyx and chaos, you know, mm-hmm. um, Nyx is the is the personification of night, and so um, the thing is, if we don't regularly go to night, it's a little bit like when you go to your dreams at night. Like there's a there's a a bathing in the unconscious and a bathing in all that type of energy that revitalizes you for the day. Mm-hmm. And there's something it's just like we need sleep. Sleep's so important for us, you know. It's, it's, it there's something about that energy. So on the one hand, it's very threatening and destabilizing. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's also where change happens. If you think about the hard aspects like squares and oppositions that are night aspects, um, it, it, those tend to be like the things that, you know, they're like the fault lines in the chart is often how I think about them. You know, there's seismic activations when they're transited. That's and, you know, you, you're, you're pulled into night. You're pulled into 
having to deal with more than your coherence and you, you have, you, you get defeated, right? Like the solar heroic impulse is defeated by a square. If you think you'll use your heroism to, to, to master your square, you're in for something, another, you know? <laughs> uh, it's just, that's not what happens with squares, right? I mean, they, they, they take us down. And the question is, how do you go willingly and get the initiation that way? How do you go There's, willingly into the night? <laughs> yes, go willingly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right. Go softly into the night, but it's not usually soft. But yeah, go go into the night. That is yeah. so interesting because I love the, the way you're tying the aspects into this because, like I said before, I consider myself a very day person, but I have a lot of, uh, I guess, what you would consider night aspects <laughs> in mm-hmm. my chart. And so here I tend to go along this, you know, linear, straight, line, right? Like, this is my goal in sight. This is where I'm going. And then, mm. uh, you know, rec- in the last couple of years, I've had a lot of um, uh, planetary action to these night aspects that I have. And that linear mm. line literally just curled and went this way and that way and this way. And right. everything that was like the path of that seemed so clear and so lit up was then twisted in many ways. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I love the way you I love the way that puts together. It makes me think a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like in medieval times when the the crooked road was more valued, right? The the mm-hmm. bent the bent one that, that there's something, and you can feel more intimacy in the crooked road, and you can feel more risk also. Um, whereas the straight line road of the day, you know, feels more like it's clear where it's going. It feels very linear. You know, the night is so non-linear, um, and it's so you're thrust into a very different experience of even of time itself. Yeah. Oh, I love the road analogy because, okay, so say you're on a road trip and you have like, you know, if you've ever traveled across like Texas or something like that, the road ahead is just this long straight road ahead. And it doesn't even matter how fast you're going. You almost have to go faster because it just seems like you're going slow because Mm -hmm. there's no concept of just that forward momentum versus Mm -hmm. say you're on a windy uh, uh, mountain road of sorts and you have to go slower and you don't know what's Mm -hmm. around the corner. You have to watch Mm -hmm. for bikers, you know, like all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's like a, um, like a, almost an, an, an impatience today energy because we just keep going faster and faster. It doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere, but we're going on the straight line where there's more of this. I have to be really aware as I take these curves because we don't know what's around the corner. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I like that. I, I, um, (laughs) I don't entirely relate because I have a little roadster and I love to take it out of the mountain roads as fast as possible. Well, okay. I, I wouldn't say that that's a good idea, but I uh, I do that. That's actually my in the summertime. That's my morning meditation is to take it out that way when no one's on the road uh, and it's light out early. But I I think the whole point is it's light out early. I mean you can see what you're getting into a little bit. But yeah, I I totally. I mean I I do love what you're saying because I feel like it is the case that there's a different kind of mindfulness with night. You know that is about really. Um, it does it, it, it you actually kind of wake up more uh, oddly enough you know to to all the possibilities and that's the thing it's like and you know if we think about um even if you're thinking something like around the uh, midlife uh, midlife aspects right there mm-hmm. the ones we usually talk about are all night aspects uranus opposition um neptune square pluto square um <clears throat> saturn opposition those all happen in that midlife zone they're all night aspects and what I think is really powerful about them is that 
the thing we usually say about midlife is that who you thought you were is undermined and you discover all these other things you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've kind of either forgotten them or you've just never seen them. And it's like, you know, that sun, that one identity that you've been in is eclipsed and suddenly all this other material is flooding in about, you know, what the, these different urges, these different desires, all this stuff is coming in that has been disowned. And that's the power of those night aspects, you know, is that they, they just, and, you know, not to mention, of course, the involvement of the outer planets with them, but, but then just the fact that all of those are, are night aspects, they, they, something floods in. And, and whereas if I were to talk about like Saturn um, returns, which is, you know, conjunction has a different energy mm. there, I would say that those are things where you, you meet limitation, but you're also being the thing you usually come out of Saturn's with this greater level of coherence. You know, you mm. come out of a, with as an adult, or if it's the second return as an elder, and there's, there's a cohering energy that is more the quality of that. Um, so, I think that just kind of gives that feel. And, and this, is, this is sort of taking me to something else that's really important for me to say is that, you know, um, in, you know, one of the biggest things about sect in the ancient doctrine is, you know, is it a day chart or a night chart? And I think that um, when s- there was some earlier work with sect earlier in the 20th century, and they, there was an attempt to psychologize it by saying day person or night person, you know, like, and then to say the personality would be different or something. I, I don't find that in the same way. I mean, I think that each person could, could say for themselves, like you're saying for yourself more day. Um, but I don't think it's based on night or day birth. I just, I haven't seen anything like that mm. in part, because as you, as we were saying, like, um, everyone has night and day places in their chart. I mean, for one thing, everyone's got the hemispheric division. I mean, you know, it, it, maybe the upper hemisphere is night if the sun was already down, mm-hmm. you know, the lower hemisphere would be day or the vice versa. But, um, and everyone has night aspects. Everyone has night signs because we could also look at the signs that the water and earth, the ones traditionally regarded as feminine, are also traditionally regarded as night, you know, and every, in the, in the ancient way, Right, every planet has a day and a night sign, except for the luminaries with Sun and with Cancer and Leo. But uh, all the other planets, you know, Mercury rules a night sign, Virgo, and a day sign, Gemini, you know, and so on. Venus with Taurus and Libra, mm-hmm. um, and so we all have day and night all over the place. In fact, my way of reading a chart quickly is to sort of look at what's going on with night stuff, what's going on with day stuff. You know, that's just like right. What, so, for instance, I'm very drawn to aspect configurations, like full configurations, like T-squares or grand trines, yods, all that. And, um, you know, I look to the trines and sextiles and so on as these cohering things, these things that are like the winning formula for a person that that sort of make them effective, uh, that they have a feeling of felt sense of mastery. And whereas the night aspects and planets and night signs and so on, the night team, as they say, um, those things are all showing me where the tension points are, but also where the growth points are, right? Like mm-hmm. where, so it's a very quick way to feel into the chart, right? That, and the, what supports psychic stability and what supports psychic multiplicity, you know, and, um, and also may feel destabilizing. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that is kind of what I see myself doing since I've sort of taken on this, this night day, lens. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I'm, <laughs> I can't wait to get off this call and look at some charts. 
<laughs> no, that that's fascinating because I mean I I've been looking at it in the terms of of sect and the teams and stuff like that. But I think the work that you're doing with kind of bringing the cycle uh, the psychoanalysis to it and combining mm-hmm. it, it it's not just one or the other because um, like you said, like even if you're born at night here, you know wherever you're born, essentially where that sun is, is day somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. And And so they're, they, the two coexist. And I mean, if we think about masculine and feminine, not in the terms of gender, but just in terms Mm -hmm. of polarity, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing. You know, they come together to bring a sense of wholeness. So we really Mm -hmm. need both in order to, uh, you know, get the most out of life and to, to grow. Um, Mm -hmm. so it can't be one or the other. It's, but I'm, I'm guessing depending on the makeup of certain people, like I keep describing myself as more, more day. Mm -hmm. Um, although I'm having a lot of night realities come in as we talk (laughs) here. Um, I, so do you think it's more of like the, uh, maybe certain transits that come out that kind of reintroduce the day or night to someone who might have a little bit more of an imbalance, um, Mm -hmm. in their, in their charts? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think we can, you know, we find it coming, you know, for instance, we just had a solar eclipse. I mean, a solar eclipse is literally the interruption of day. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've ever been under, uh, if you've ever been right under an eclipse, you know, you know that really a black rift opens up in the sky. I mean, it's, it's, quite amazing. Um, so in the same way, yeah, I think transits, progressions, those things can like take us into night or also take us into day, right? Some of us, some of us are, I mean, I, I tend to have a little bit of a favor towards night, but it's, it's really strategic on my part because of how day has been so overvalued and how I feel that, that a lot of the astrology that's being brought forward right now is super day oriented. You know, it's sort of wants to say good, bad, um, this equals that, this equals that, which planet wins, which planet loses. Um, it's very, uh, you know, has, has a lot of the day, dayness imbued into it. And also day is, is, is frankly, uh, favored in a lot of, of a lot of that material. Um, so I tend to favor night, but, but to me, both are really important. You will find people and frequently, like if somebody comes in for a reading, if they're overwhelmed by night, it's often very helpful to point out to them like a, a really powerful trine in their chart or a really powerful um, relationship between the sun and something else. Or, you know, it, it's often just what they need uh, to feel like, okay, I, I, can, I can stay in this night journey, but I can also access the light, you know, if I need it. And um, so I, I think both come in and this kind of takes me to another piece that is my own, you know, kind of uh, contribution in some of this work is that there's also a state that I would call twilight, you know, that is, um, that is probably, and it is, you know, to my mind, it's Mercury's domain. I mean, the ancients said that Mercury's night under certain conditions, like if it's an evening star, it's day under other conditions. Some people would say if it's direct or retrograde, that that would be the day night distinction. Mm-hmm. But I actually think Mercury occupies, uh, you know, what, what is often called liminal space, the in-between space, you know, Mercury is literally only visible during twilight. You know, that's the only time you can see Mercury. It's never in a totally dark sky. And of course, it's never in a day sky. Um, So um, I think of that as the really the astrologers um, metier also is that we are twilight folk. You know, we're, we're, we, we are, um, you know, helping to move between, we're pendulating between Mm. day and night. And, kind of bringing or in inviting whichever one is needed in a given situation. Um, mm. 
And I really like to hold it that way, you know, because it, and that's the astrology I would like to see more of is, is a, is a twilight kind of astrology where the chart is a map for day reasons and it's a dream for night reasons. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, Mercury, it was traditionally the planet of astrology, right? Uh, Exactly. Exactly. And and the only God that can go between, you know, uh, earth and, and, Hades underneath. So it yes. makes sense that uh, this figure, this you know, ambiguous figure <laughs> dances mm-hmm. between the two in the twilight. It's very fairy-like or like kind of elf-like to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's very alive that way. And, and, it, and it's, it's uh, I think it's the space that we hope will open in a reading, right? Like mm. or in a therapy session. We hope that... <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> At least I hope. Like, I should probably say it that way. But that a certain type of consciousness that can really journey, journey between day and night yeah. is what I hope will open up in a reading. Not just a bunch of day predictions and statements about power and one-upsmanship among planets, or a bunch of night stuff that's very fuzzy but but doesn't really necessarily offer any clarity or purpose or direction. Mm, yeah, I kind of hope that Mercury moves between. Well, and essentially we need twilight on either side to enter either consciousness because twilight bookends the day and the night either way. And so it's very, it's very much this cycle. And I love how when, right before we started recording, I had asked Jason, I was like, oh, so how is eclipse season treating you? And it's just kind of like, oh. And he said, it wasn't your time of year, right? There's too much day um, going on. And yeah, this time of year to have eclipses now is just deadly for me because <laughs> yeah. there's so much light around the solstice, and uh, which keeps me tired. And then to have all this eclipse energy, it's like, yikes. So do you uh, think it'll be feel more comfortable when we get around to Capricorn season? And, and- I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, my, the light is just, uh, it's just quite overwhelming, quite intensifying. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, I am a, basically a midnight birth. So there's, yeah. you know, I don't want to say there's nothing to, by the way, the day and night chart. Like I, I there might be some really useful distinctions there. I, this is something I, I'm going to keep studying myself, but I, I just haven't found any of them compelling so far. The, the sort of sta- statements that are made psychologically about just that feature, um, uh, you know, and, and there's certainly, it's very compelling, for, and again, you know, it's very compelling for daytime astrology, which I think of the the really hardcore Hellenistic materials, very day. It's like, you know, this is what's powerful. This is what's not very distinguishing, very, you know, like that. So, you know, certainly the use of that ancient version of sect where it's just to help you figure out which planets are dominant and and which ones can achieve, achieve their purposes and which ones are going to have more trouble. Um, I think day night is very, very useful for that. I find it very compelling. But for psychological dreaming, for a night-based astrology, that is, uh, that's just not helpful. It's actually very limiting of the imagination. Mm. You know, one of the things is night is way more imaginative. I mean, you know, my, night is the space of dreaming. You know, it's the space of <coughs> nonlinear consciousness. So you can make connections that you simply can't make in the day. Uh, they happen at night, you know, people get prophecies, they get visions, you know, all of that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, perhaps that's why something like this, something very day oriented and kind of black and white in nature comes to a night person like yourself so that you can 
take that consciousness around it and redream it and reimagine it in some way to bring a new um, understanding once you've kind of felt around what that means for you in this like darker space. Cause we need that, you know, we can't just, uh, I think it's, it never does anybody any good to have like a hard rule and to always stick by it. You know, we have to kind of morph mm-hmm. it here and there and find new ways of looking at things. And if it wasn't for the night, you know, I feel like we'd be zombies just going towards this one, <laughs> this one projected like outcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, so that begs to, to the question of whether or not, you know, we're pointing out certain times of year are more, day-based mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. night-based. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think that uh, works into uh, just, I mean, the fact that we do have this cycle within, mm-hmm. within the skies. I mean, it's <laughs> right. one of the more, year, more, more day, day, one night. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think that is interesting. And I, I don't know entirely how to think about that, you know, uh, in a chart or something. But I, I think that um, there's just, you know, there's, pretty profound significance to how, especially, you know, in extreme latitudes, how much more light or dark there is at different times of the year. Um, and, uh, and how that works in consciousness, I don't feel totally prepared to, to know, but it does feel completely, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing that you would think we might be a little more curious about in astrology. Again, it's such a, it's such a fundamental you know, reality of, of the sky, um, is it night or day? It's the thing that everyone notices. I mean, you know, people yeah. don't pay attention to the stars necessarily or the planets, but we're still at a point where we still notice the difference between day and night, unless you're in a really lit up city, like, you know, Seoul or something. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's just all day, all the you know, like hours a night there. So yeah, right. it just makes me think of just, you know, certain times a year and just kind of the nature of even the seasons, because we see that, you know, spring's gathering the light, summer is fully magnetized, you know, bringing it up there, even back out. And then of course, mm-hmm. winter brings us to that dark. And we mm-hmm. do honor those cycles. I mean, we've been doing that for, uh, the ancients have been doing that for millennia with those different, you know, uh, celebrations that happen at the right. equinox and the solstice points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever <clears throat> really think about it in relation to when I'm just, yeah, I, I put it in that story, but I'm not really using it as far as like just looking at the energy that's going on uh, mm-hmm. with that basic notion. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll have to bookmark that uh, to develop a little bit further here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you, Okay. So say we have a person that seems to be pretty day, pretty mm-hmm. day. We're, we'll say 70% day. <laughs> uh, that's a very day type of a uh, way of putting something in a framework. What would you recommend to them to bring a little bit more night in? Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, right. And I, and I think that would, it would be important again to say that I think that I would tend to say someone is more day identified than actually more day. More day. Okay. You know Good way I mean? to start. I think, I think day and night are, are everywhere in each chart, but, but, but yeah, there are certainly people who are more day identified, meaning they're more likely to identify with the sun, Jupiter, Saturn spaces in their chart, more ident- like they identify with the trines and with the notion of being effective with the notion, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's more of an identification than it is necessarily a, an ontological thing. Yes. Um, that said, you know, I think we, we, you know, we look for where is the, um, like, 
where is the night already an expression? That's what I tend to want to do. It's like, cause it, it's somewhere, right? I mean, it's sort of like, um, you know, like I, I do a lot of work with addiction or used to do a lot in my practice. And often, you know, people live a double life, so-called double life. And, you know, during, you know, during the day they are, you know, mm. the uh, masters and mistresses of the universe, you know, running, running our government and all the corporations and all that. <laughs> and by night they are kind of like out of control with Mars Venus activities. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I would get really interested in those night activities, you know, or in the, in the, the, the places where usually our efforts to be in control are more thwarted, you know, like relationships um, are fabulously night things. Like, you know, if you're, if you're in intimate, intimacy is a more of a night thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that type of closeness. Um, and so uh, I would tend to look for where the night is and try to just develop a tolerance for staying with that rather than the need to reassert day power. You know, it's like, so, so how do we gently make it possible to metabolize more of the night realities? Like to metabolize one's emotions a little more to be, you know, more, um, I mean, night is really about imminence. It's about embodiment. You know, the notions of spirit and fortune are also connected to day Mm -hmm. and night. So those are ancient notions as well. And fortune is more connected to the body, to the moon, to the, you know, to the, uh, material and night has a more embodied way as a rule. Um, it's, it's the striving to come down. It's got a, it's a descent oriented energy. Mm. Um, and so anything that helps the person sort of come down out of the, um, the, uh, the, the brightness of the sun, the, 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 the you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and to be able to tolerate that increasingly, because I think that's the hard part is to sort of like, how do you sort of stay with the night when you're usually just terrified of overwhelmed by it? And, and by the way, overwhelm is going to happen sometimes. It's just like... Um, you know, in therapy, they always talk about informed consent. You know, you want to help the client understand that what they're going to get themselves into by undertaking a particular form of therapy. But I think the truth is there's no such thing as that. Like we don't, mm-hmm. neither of us knows where it's going to go, yeah. actually. I mean, there's no way. Same with the reading. I mean, you really don't know what, <coughs> what may open up and the capacity of the per- person to use it or not. Yeah. It's, there's a, we have to be conscious of that, but also acknowledge that we can't, we you cannot. can't control it. You don't know. You don't know. And, uh, and that's, that's the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> I like how you bring up the, the kind of the political aspect. Cause if you think about it, like in politics, uh, you know, in general, and especially here in America for, for ages have been trying to suppress more of the night. Right. Uh, like every time we have like a sex scandal come up or like there's little, you know, the, what they've been right. doing in the behind the scenes, you know, we try to shove that down or push that away or, or uh, even make a big deal out of it, you know, like make such a big deal out of little things. Um, but I feel like in the, it's almost like the night in many ways is starting to, uh, you know, breathe and come up, uh, especially with the situations that we're in right now, because we're like, we're getting, being confronted with so many type of night situations mm-hmm. <laughs> that are, you know, it's almost like you're inundated. Uh, mm-hmm. with it uh, and, and bringing it forward in many ways. And even if you think about the rise of, uh, of, of women right now and Absolutely. like more of that, fem- you know, like it's like the night is sleep- seeping in more or we're getting to a point of that twilight like that you're speaking of and that we're mm-hmm. slowly, like the day is just starting. We're getting that eighth house territory uh, right. yeah. that you yeah. spoke so eloquently on at Norwalk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do feel a lot of that right now. I have that feeling and I, you know, it's interesting to, 
hear the voices of, of night, you know, and I would say a lot of times that's the disenfranchised and the marginal voices that mm-hmm. have been, you know, that are not. In, and then you have, on the other hand, you know, I, what I feel like really um, strong statements about, you know, make something great again, or, you know, like that really is like, keep the light going, keep, you know, like keep on, you know, staying with that side of things. Um, and I, I feel like I really feel the desire for both. I mean, there really are both very important, but I, I do think there's, um, there are so many voices that day consciousness silences in the psyche and in the collective psyche as well. Um, and, uh, and so what you're, when you're describing this, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's very interesting to see like in these debates that happened recently that, you know, and there's a person there who's really, uh, to my mind, coming from a more night perspective and quite marginalized in the process, who's talking about love and talking about, you know, uh, we don't have to get into all these plans. Let's first see where we feel. Let's go there. And, and that, that is seen as quite ridiculous, I think, by most of the society, even the people mm-hmm. who believe in that stuff think, oh my God, you know, don't embarrass us. But at one level, I, I found that a very compelling voice of night, uh, and uh, and you you know I think it's very much the case that women, people of color, other marginalized and minority people are going to be the likely bringers of night here. I mean that is that is uh, that that makes complete sense, and and that's a huge part of why I want those voices more in every conversation, mm-hmm. you know, because that they, they have a lot to offer and that doesn't have to be threatening today. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be. Um, it, it, it is threatening today if day wants to hold on to power. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, then it, then it's threatening, but if the, and this is everything I'm saying, of course, is, collectively spoken about yes. right now between you and me, but it's also all totally intrapsychic. It's those inner processes where we don't want to, I don't want to feel that thing for that person, right? I don't want to, I don't want to feel so angry as I do, or I don't want to feel totally attracted to this person who's quote inappropriate, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very Saturn day word, right? Inappropriate. Um, you know, and yet Saturn is trying to keep us safe also, right? Like there are people that if you get involved with them, it's going to be a disaster for your your life. Yeah. Um, so the question is, how do we hear from all parts of ourselves? Which is honestly a twilight question, right? It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a Mercury question. And as astrologers, I think just like Mercury delivered messages, you know, he delivered messages from the gods to humans. He also delivered messages from God to God. Mm-hmm. And I do think about um, that ability of us as astrologers, we are translating messages from the gods to the human here in front of us, but we're also assisting the parts the gods within the person to start having more dialogue, even if they're not an aspect, mm. you know, to have more conversation between them. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit like um, in therapy land and neuroscience, they talk about what you really want for the brain is pathways from all parts to all parts. You know, you want them all talking to each other mm. and um, that's a mercury job. Right. And that, I think that's what astrology can be. You know, you're multiplying the connections for the person and then they can have a more creative response to anything. Mm. Um, yeah so i want those i want those day and night planets talking <laughs> i feel like all roads are leading to twilight right now as far as uh, how to navigate uh well what's being said here because we yeah. have to we need them both and yeah. uh and they both need to be balanced out and i think just by the the you know just the very nature of uh, existence, if something is 
too much in one direction. I, you know, you're a Libra, right? <laughs> you get it. You know, it has very to, Libra, very Libra, super Libra. We, it has to balance out at some point, and I see yeah. that uh, happening, and um, and it's balancing towards uh, what can be deemed as a little bit more, you know, where that vulnerability that I was talking about earlier, because it has to balance out more of this nighttime perspective, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah. A lot of people and one of the things, you know, one of the things that I think the day really has to acknowledge and would be so great is that is that the night is the fundamental start of things. It's not that it's any better or worse, but night's where it begins. And I think of that in the way that those have been gendered, the masculine has to acknowledge the feminine is the source, is the opening of life. I mean, that's just how it is. Like, and and you know, that's precisely the reality that many patriarchal mythologies and things try to undermine, right? By having people created from a man's rib or created from Zeus's head, you know, all of that kind of thing. It's like the day trying to usurp from the night, which again is so understandable if you think about the evolution of consciousness that day is like this achievement in consciousness and it's therefore quite insecure and precarious. And so it kind of like because of that insecurity tries to kind of like co-opt the power from the other end. Mm. And, uh, and so if we can sort of help our day self relax that a little bit, you know, I, I, I think about moments where um, in therapy uh, I, as the therapist will get a little bit anxious because there might be material that's emergent that is feeling like, Oh God, that's going to be overwhelming. And, and you know, I mean, I certainly think of myself as somebody who's willing to go there to the overwhelm, but, but sometimes the day in me is like, Oh God, you know, what is this going to open up? And yeah. is this person going to be safe? And, um, and yet my experience is that it, it, it's, it works to really relax that and not sort of move into that, uh, like sort of, uh, with a knee jerk reaction of like asserting, you know, control or, you know, all the narratives of healthy and unhealthy and all, all that stuff. If you kind of let it go a little bit and let the night operate, it's, it's safer than we tend to think is what I'm trying mm, to say. Yeah. It's safer than we think it is. Yeah. Because I mean, when it comes up, I think much like, I think to the moon card in uh, like tarot mm. where, uh, <laughs> because it is dark, there is an anxiety there because we can't see it. And so you don't know, you see it emerging, you see, you know, the light is falling and maybe the client you're sitting with is about to come through something that is of, uh, you know, nighttime material. And so there's just an anxiety that is placed there because you don't know. And so that's just the very nature of night and how, what you've been saying here earlier is we don't know that. And so, (laughs) uh, you have to go, you have to go into it, um, with almost like a, like a, a faith that it will uh, end in a positive way that brings things mm-hmm. to, to the day and to the yeah. light and helps balance it out in the, mm-hmm. you know, in that realm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there is anxiety with night. It, it just is what it is because uh, you, you don't know and it changes. And, and, <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes people are consumed by night. That's just the truth. Like that it, is. it sometimes doesn't go well, you know, sometimes it kills you. You know, if you think about uh, Mars and Venus and, and the ways people really just self-destruct their lives, mm. they have to do with those planets a lot of the time, right? They, the, the day planets, people self-destruct their lives by just kind of they become, everything's unerotic, right? Like if Saturn is running you, it just shuts down all the connections. Or if Jupiter's running you, you end up in the ivory tower by yourself, you know, knowing mm-hmm. everything. Um, there's an aloneness that the day brings in and it tends to kill Eros for sure. If you're all day, there's not much erotic energy. 
Um, at night, though, the, the night can actually literally kill you, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you die from your passions. You die from your mm. attempts to find security with the moon. You know, your, your neediness, these have consuming qualities. And, and a lot of times that's why I think people are coming into astrologers overwhelmed by night and seeking day. But the trick is for the astrologer, don't just offer them all day. You know, don't just give them, here's the truth. Here's how it is. Here's the prediction. Here's what's going to happen. Um, somehow we have to sort of offer day, but also try to encourage how do you work with that night zone? How do you still keep that alive? Like, I think I told the story at that eighth house lecture in Norwalk of, of my client, or, and it happens with many, but, you know, like a sex addict who walks in and he's got this like very day life where he's, you know, working for his family and doing the right things and kind of lonely, but, you know, moving through life. Mm. And then, you know, uh, but he keeps finding himself in an adult bookstore, you know, on his knees giving blowjobs to guys. And he comes in, and what do you think he wants to do? He wants to just get rid of that. He's like, mm-hmm. that's the part that's out of control. That's the part that doesn't fit the rest of the picture. And I want to kill it. And you, you, the therapist, should help me kill it. Or you, the astrologer, help me kill this. Mm-hmm. Whereas I look at him and say, but that's the only interesting thing happening in your life. <laughs> life. <laughs> right? like, yeah. that's, that's where all the life is, you know? And that's where all the erotic energy... And using that word erotic bigger than just sex, that's where all the creative life force is. So how do we actually dance with that and, and, you know, create more tolerance for that? It doesn't have to be acted out in that sort of complex way where you're just out of control. Because again, that could bring him down, right? That could crush his whole life. Like if somebody walked in who knows him or uh, his partner or, you know, whatever, um, that, you know, think about all the guys that, you know, come down from pornography at their workplace nowadays. It's like constant. Um, so that can really trash your life. Um, if you don't develop a relationship with night that is more integrated with your day life, um, it, it'll, it will bring you down, but it's also potentially the source of revitalizing your whole life as it was with that client who recognized, for instance, that there was a huge father transference going on with these men and then moved in the direction of connecting to his father, which connected him to his, his ethnic background, which opened up a whole new life. And he actually relocated globally and started living this much more alive path. You know, it all came from, from the night bringing him to his knees, you know, literally. The night cracked in and, and, you know, the, the seismic, you know, fault that we're talking opened up and, and yet as a result, a whole new life was born and that's what's possible. Oh, I, I love that because, I mean, if you think about it and like in, in his situation in particular, you know, if you're so far away from the, that night quality, then mm-hmm. how it seeps up is in these extreme ways that, um, yes. you know, you see that a lot of times in politics with these, you know, politicians exactly. that end up in, you know, in bathrooms or with children and you're like, what the hell? But it's because it had been probably suppressed in so many different ways for so long that it just went into this avenue and channeled in and so that makes a whole lot of sense like that you would just want to get rid of that but like you're saying you're like no like the reason it got to that was because there is something that has been neglected that is is that life force and that passion and that eroticism as you said exactly and and you could say the same for a night identified person who thinks of themselves as very you know oh i'm (laughs) they see a lot of this in a new age world or something right Mm -hmm. where it's like oh or i'm you know i just live according to all my passions and i'm just you know they're totally instinct 
govern. And they tend to make everyone's life a mess around them, not just their own, right? And you kind of hope for them to, you know, consider, you know, activating the Saturn function or a Jupiterian function or solar, you know, you, you kind of hope that something will get more cohesive mm-hmm. because they're like living complexes that just go around discharging everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, they aren't any better off, I think, than the, the guy we were talking about. And so it's, yeah, it's so much about, you know, how do you, um, all of this is within you, right? I mean, that's my favorite thing about astrology is that it insists on the multiplicity of the psyche. You know, it insists that just by looking at your chart, you see all this multiple things going on. That's why it's so much better of a, of a seeing device or heuristic device when it comes to imagining the psyche than anything else that I know about. You know, it's because of the enormous complexity that we are able to see as astrologers. Like, whereas, you know, uh, the field of psychology is like 150 years old, Western psychology anyway, uh, it doesn't have nearly the complex view of the psyche. Um, astrology constantly reminds us you, you have all this multiplicity and how do you, how do you live at all? How do you honor all these gods? Um, and uh, it's not an easy task, yeah. actually. They have a lot of different ideas about what you should do. <laughs> they do. They do. Yes. That's, uh, I like how April Elliot Kent would always say, she's like, oh, just because the, the gods are, are talking nicely to each other, you don't know what they're planning for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well said. Yes. So, oh, I love it. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to wrap it up with the multiplicity that is astrology. And it really isn't as clear cut as we would probably like to think that it is, you know, and that is key to remember as we try to find uh, this balance between the day and night. Oh, I love it. Okay. So Jason, where can people find you? What do you got going on? What, you know, Tell us. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I have a website. It's jasonholly.net. It's H-O-L-L-E-Y.net. Um, and uh, that has uh, it has a lot of actually talks that I've done, you know, that are free for people to download and, and a lot of material is on there. Um, I, uh, I do see people for psychotherapy in person and remotely. And I do readings. I, I'm actually not doing readings for a while, but at some point I'll start again. Um, and, uh, and then I also... Teaching-wise, you mentioned that I have the webinar series on uh, Astrology University. And actually, probably of interest for people at this show is that we are going to do a three-webinar series on day, night, and twilight. Uh, So on Psychologizing Sect, which will start in September. It'll be like from September, uh, there'll be three of them, and sometime between September and December, we'll offer that. So um, that'll be a deeper dive, you know, into what we were just talking about and looking at charts that way. And also looking at mythology of day and night, like Helios and the day and Nyx and the night and mm. uh, he- Hecate. And, you know, there are many, many different ways we can look at the, the mythological pantheon from through a day and night lens to get a, a little more, like the way we were talking about it is a more theoretical way, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, is one way. And then I think a more mythopoetic way where we just say, sort of say, who are the figures of day and night and, and what are their stories and where do you see them acting out in the chart? You know, so, um, so that'll be part of what will happen in that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, over the next year, I'm, I'll be at the Australian Con- Federation conference in, uh, in, uh, January, I think. And mm-hmm. I'll be at the London school in April. So it's, it's right. a, I'll be around and all that's on my website. So yeah. Yes. There's plenty of places to find Jason throughout yeah, <laughs> the time. <right>. Here. <laughs> I feel like Mercury sometimes. <laughs> I know. Well, you certainly are. I, when I first saw you, I was like, where's the Gemini? Um, but <laughs> I, 
Well, I have a, I have an untamed Mercury. I like to say I have a Mercury conjunct Uranus, and I think that's oh, what people feel from done. me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I get it. I get it now. It's coming to the day. Um, okay. Yes. Oh, I love that. So definitely check out uh, that coming up for at Astrology University. So you'll be diving into this more. And his presentations are fabulous, and especially the component where you bring in the mythology and you know these the archetypal structures and stories that go around it. Um, because we are really living archetypes, uh, you know, mashed together in many ways. So it's good to understand these stories that have been around for, um, as long as we have. So, uh, yeah, so he's great at that. All right. I'll, so I'll share that information on my page as well, because I always do a blog post for each uh, podcast. And so to find me, you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And of course, if you think people need to hear about day and night and the twilight, that rhymes, I guess, uh, <laughs> share it with a friend, spread the good word, uh, because and leave a nice review on wherever you listen to this, because that helps things to be seen. Um, of course, I have some crazy leaf blower outside my house right now, if anybody hears that. Uh, Mercury is playing his tricks right now. Uh, so, all right, everyone. Well, thank you again, Jason, for coming on and sharing your time with me. I really do appreciate it. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And thank you for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.